and welcome aboard the Battleship Retention. I'm Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David, Yes. how you doing? I'm looking forward to the springtime. It's been a rough, hard, long winter here in Los Angeles. Uh, no, but I understand it. it has been raining for like six weeks. Yes. I'm sick of it. I'm truly sick of the rain. I like the uh, rain. I like the cold and I like when it's nice and gray outside, but uh, it does get tedious after a while i would say the second you get a dog you will stop liking the rain sure your dog unless your dog likes the rain most yeah. dogs don't like the rain but when yeah when you have to walk a dog yeah. at six in the morning it sucks anyway uh it especially sucks when it's yeah. when it's raining uh and your dog has a little uh uh boot because she has a oh uh, that's right she has a bad leg so then the boot gets all wet you got to keep everything dry so sick of the rain see and that's the thing but it's, you're it's, telling me that and to me that just sounds adorable oh it is adorable she's okay. the sweetest um but uh but in keeping with this look forward to finally getting some warm weather here in los angeles um it, no it did snow we didn't talk about yeah it. i was in yeah. rancho cucamonga and for about 15 minutes i was in my car i was like what and it was I didn't so see it. it was out of it because I don't associate snow yeah. with California, despite yeah. Rancho being kind of near the hills, um, like stuff was falling as I was walking to my car, and I was like, "Is it raining? No, this isn't rain. It's not hail either. What yeah. is this? There's it's no like, current forest fires, so it can't be ash." <laughs> yeah. I've lived in snowy climates. I know what <laughs> snow is, but I just my brain yeah. wouldn't connect it. And then when I realized that's what it was, yeah. I was like, "Okay, well, I guess it's all over." I was bummed to miss the snow. I'm bummed this week. I haven't seen any of the painted lady butterflies. Have you seen the butterflies? No, they're all over the place. Apparently, apparently. Um, uh, they don't make their way to North Hills that often. Yeah, I guess not. <laughs> My favorite um, thing with snow, though, is if you go up to like Big Bear mm. or like Arrowhead or whatever, where it actually does snow and your car's there while it snows, then you get to drive down the mountain and then you're in San Bernardino driving around in 70 degree weather with yeah. snow on your car and are, like you're practically causing accidents. People are giving, <laughs> you, like, giving you weird looks. Uh, I love that. But no, in keeping with this warmer weather, we have a postcard. We love when our listeners send us postcards. You can find our PO box on the on the on the website. Uh, yeah, on the website. Uh, and this is from our friend Peter, mm-hmm. who is, sends us postcards all the time. We met him at our ten. Uh, ten year anniversary. That's right. Yeah. Uh, uh, party at the yeah. Tonga Hut, which was two uh, years ago. Um, oh, I guess so. Yeah. No, it wasn't a ten year anniversary party. It was a five hundred episode. Party. Oh, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So, which was more than well, two years. Yeah. A year and a half. Yeah. Um, and so uh, he sent us a picture of Red Rock Canyon. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I want to give away this guy's location. Hopefully he's moved on by then. Right. I want people stalking Peter uh, through the state of Colorado. Um, wait, is that where Red Rock or No, Red Rock's in Nevada. Uh, right. And you just gave it away again. I mean, literally, <laughs> you could have gone with Colorado and gotten away with it. Um, and he has a question if we, uh, he, he was trying to think of how many actors have been in both Marvel and DC movies. I don't know. He came up with a bunch. I'm not good at that sort of thing. Um, I mean, does he mean like the current slate of DC no, movies? No, nor does he mean the current slate of Marvel movies oh, okay. because he includes um, Ben Affleck for Daredevil. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. So that's a Marvel movie. So anyway, that's a fun exercise that I'm, you're talking to the wrong person, Peter. I'm not good at, yeah. I've if seen half of the movies if and we're I'm to not do that exi- exercise right now. It'd just be a lot of silence as I'm just sitting and thinking, <laughs> uh, that's something that I'll do off mic. Yeah. yeah. I can think of two immediately. And then that's, I'd have to, what do you got? Uh, Keaton and Affleck. That's true. Yeah. yeah uh, I forget oh. about, I, for some reason, maybe it's because of the Sony connection. I always forget about Spider-Man homecoming as part of the MCU, even though yeah. he, it absolutely is. Yep. But, it just never registers to me. Um, 
Well, here's another one that I uh, I really did think of. It's the first one on his list that I. W- Josh Brolin was in two Marvel movies, Deadpool two and uh, Avengers Infinity War, and I guess right. it'll be an Endgame as well. He was also Jonah what he, Hex. What if he isn't? What, <laughs> what, what if he's not an Endgame at all? Well, and you're I, like, what the hell happened here? Um, <laughs> just a bunch of therapists. Yeah, just, they just keep talking about him, but nobody sees him. I mean, I have heard. Not that this would still mean he's in the movie, but I have heard. And I guess spoilers for Infinity War at this point. Um, well, Infinity War. Uh, Infinity War. Oh, I, yeah. That one I saw. Okay, I don't um, want to hear the other. I have heard the, the the fan theory that that scene of him at the end is actually him in some sort of afterlife that he actually snapped himself out of existence oh, and that, that's uh, absolutely not going to happen, but that'd be awesome. Yeah. That's a <laughs> that's fun a one. Neat idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, so yeah, there's a bunch, um, uh, recent edition. See, now I'm looking at his list. Uh, Willem Dafoe was in Spider-Man movies and recently in Aquaman. So, uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you did mention, yes, Josh Brolin was in Jonah Hex. Not yes, that anybody Hex. remembers at all. Yeah. Uh, it was a complete, bust but uh but i'm glad he found his that's, his legs that's always my reaction my rebuttal to the idea when when certain types of fans or studios get the idea like oh catwoman bombed we can't make female superhero movies it's like they kept making movies after jonah hex based on comics yeah. <laughs> like it, it doesn't have anything to do with the gender or they just kept making movies in yeah. general yeah. after jonah hex uh, think, i didn't i shouldn't say i didn't see jonah would have shut it down at that point <laughs> yeah. right just, the, yeah. the industry kind of looks inward and they're like you know what what are we doing yeah. here let's change this name to nadir and then we will <laughs> we're done um let's pay some bills absolutely okay so this episode is brought to you by Mubi, a curated streaming service showing exceptional films from around the globe. Every day, Mubi premieres a new film, whether it's a timeless classic, a cult favorite, or an acclaimed masterpiece, a movie you've been dying to see, or one you've never heard of before. Uh, there are always 30 different films to discover. With Mubi, each and every film is hand-selected, so you'll never spend more time looking for something great to watch than actually watching something great. It's like your own personal film festival streaming anytime, anywhere. Currently available on Mubi is Abel Ferreira's four. 44, The Last Day on Earth, speaking of Willem Dafoe. Uh, this is a film that, uh, back when we did our uh, short-lived video series um, at uh, Cinephile Video, yeah. Um, yeah, which they're still available on uh, YouTube. You can check those out. But we did do an episode about 444. And it is a film that, uh, as I was looking it up, I realized like it is not liked that much, but I liked it quite a bit. Yes. I think it's a really interesting view of like uh, essentially... In, in the world of the film, everybody knows when the world is going to end uh, and what time, which is 4.44 um, a.m., I believe. Yeah. And you're just dealing with, and, and people are dealing with what that would look like. And some people clearly don't believe it. You see people at the gym uh, <laughs> and and other people, there's just a lot of people Skyping with one another. Um, and Wait, so they know the specific day or they just know that someday at 444 no, they know in the morning, day and day time. Because oh, I like the idea of the lottery of not knowing the day. <laughs> and because then every day you're just like, it's 443. You're like, what the hell? You're waiting. You is know, kind of now? Don't we? Uh, yeah, <laughs> it is the end time. Certainly we can't argue. Um, but uh, okay, so yeah, uh, four forty four is a movie that David and I both really like. So you can find that at movie, and then hey, once you watch it, head on over to our uh, YouTube channel, and you can see that review, no. which is at this okay. point. Go to uh, battleshipretention dot com and search for it. Right? Yes, that's true. Yeah, yeah you can find it that way as well. Um, but yeah, so uh, that's uh, David told me that that's called synergy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so uh, try Mubi free for 30 days at Mubi.com slash Battleship. That's M-U-B-I dot com slash Battleship for a whole month of great cinema for free.
And I want to tell you about uh, something I think our guest knows about. Uh, TweakedAudio.com. TweakedAudio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. Tyler and I use them each and every day of our lives. I literally just ordered a new pair this week um, uh, to listen to it, to use at work. Uh, and the thing I was listening to today, my TweakedAudio.com earbuds, uh, is a... I'm really bad with metal subgenres. I like metal a lot, but you get into some of the subgenres. So apparently, according to the blog, the metal blog I read, this is a crust slash sludge band. I don't know, but they're called Wardens with W A R D E H N S, uh, and their album is called Now Cometh the Foul. And I was uh, very much enjoying it, and it sounded great on my TweakedAudio.com earbuds today. They're available at a low, low price at TweakedAudio.com, but if you use the offer code Pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So, <laughs> yeah, no shipping charges. They do ship, no shipping charges. So go to Tweak. Tardia.com and use the offer code pretension getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking what's your secret begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 bite clear aligners are doctor directed and delivered to your door treatment costs thousands less than braces plus they offer flexible financing Accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I do love that, by the way. There's no shipping, but there will be charges. Just a heads up <laughs> yeah. on that. Make sure you got to go pick them up somewhere. Yeah. Um, so we have not formally introduced our guest. Tyler, who is sitting across from you? It has been far too long since <laughs> since our guest, who looks pained to be introduced. Absolutely point. not. No, please. <laughs> okay. I'm excited. Uh, it's been far too long since he's been on. He's a, a, a comedian and a the host of the 40-Year-Old Boy podcast. It's Mike Schmidt. Mike, how you doing? I'm good, Tyler. Thank you so much for inviting me. You, you've often tried to include me in your uh the live uh, the, the things where everybody comes over and watches an hour of a film or something mm-hmm. like yeah, that or, yeah. or 15 minutes of a film right. and it just never uh, lined up for us unfortunately but we, uh, I think we had you it was years ago at this point but we had you on to talk about uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre yeah yeah. So, was, do you want to know what I remember about that what the story here's the story I'll tell about that is that uh, we were supposed to after Texas Chainsaw Massacre someone was going to pick us up lunch that's right and so you were like uh, you were like, oh, I'm bummed that I'm not going to be here or else I'd get something from Wendy's. And then your wife, Jenny, I guess just decided she was hungry and decided to go get us lunch early. And then so you and I got to eat spicy chicken sandwiches or whatever yeah, in, in front of front Mike. Of <laughs> that was the best. Thanks. Yeah. And then never asked me back for five years. <laughs> we can't risk it again. You should have had them. Literally, you should have been eating Wendy's when I walked in the door. I would have been. <laughs> here, have a propel. Um, Mike, how you doing i'm good man I'm, I'm excited to be here and i'm happy to do the show and i always enjoy doing it and i'm glad you guys are still doing a show podcasting is uh you know coin flip sometimes and sometimes people move on and get things going on with their lives or also there are people who wind up with five different podcasts and they shun the yeah. one that made them a podcaster so i'm happy you guys are going strong thank you uh yeah i don't even know what episode that it's 620 something this is 626 626 so yeah we've been doing this yeah. for 
626 weeks. Nice. Putting it that way, is yeah. that's insane. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's nuts. But yeah. that means we're only 40 weeks away from what we've what we've been aiming for this entire time, episode oh. 666. Well, you with your metal yeah. blog, certainly. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ. And by <laughs> the way, I enjoy the fact that you're like, I'm listening to Ward Hens with the, uh, the Here Cometh the Foul, and it's not a great on my tweaked audio earbuds. I got news for you. Those earbuds are doing a lot of the heavy lifting <laughs> behind Ward Hens. I'm sure, I'm sure they sounded crisp as hell and those, those earbuds are just straining to bring you the best possible mix of board hens you could possibly enjoy. Yeah, Holy I, shit. Yeah, I definitely translated that crust slash sludge. Awful. <laughs> what, a, no. what a horrible mess. Yeah, and you said I, no, ward- they're a really good band. But. No, all right, but here's my question. You said wardens, like, but it's, you said there's an H. Yeah. So it's basically ward hens. No, but it's E-H, wait, wait. not hen. It's oh, ward- okay, then that, that it's spoils like my premise. It's or Wardane. I'm not sure how you're supposed to say it. Wardane, yes. Wardane. I could see a metal band really <laughs> steering into that. That pronunciation. Yeah. Is there an umlaut somewhere? Anywhere? Usually, in this case, I don't think so. Because I thought, here cometh the foul. I thought, like, everything was, like, I thought it was Ward Hens, and it was foul, like, with a W. And I'm like, these guys, it's like a metal band about chickens? Dude, I'm on board with that. Just me and Gonzo the Muppet are, like, loving that. Oh, well, you know, there's now... Uh, I don't know if two is enough to uh, to constitute a whole scene or subgenre, but there are... Metal bands about baseball players, the names of the metal bands are puns of existing metal bands. So there's a metal band called Pig Destroyer, and then there's another band called Puig Destroyer. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, all songs about Yasiel Puig. And then just as of, and I'm, as a St. Louis Cardinals fan, I was very excited about this. There's a, there's a metal band called Kowloon Walled City. And now there's a metal band called Colton Wong City. Oh boy, uh, I don't. Yeah, it is metal songs about Colton Wong. Has the time? It's exhausting, <laughs> right? To even hear about? Yeah, I, you just want to nick a nap after hearing all that <laughs> stretching that's going on. You could read through that premise for fuck's sake. Good yeah. God! Yeah, as soon as I heard, I heard about Colton Wong City, and I was like, okay, I like Kowloon Walled City. Yeah, and I like the St. Louis Cardinals. I want to tell people about this, but I don't know anyone else who has the exact same mix. I have news. You are the target audience. <laughs> yeah. That was it. They said, you know what? They've been listening to this we for 626 we weeks. <laughs> and they said, we are on board. Let's find it for David. Good Christ. Birds on the bat and a fucking, is it like with a guitar though with the birds? I don't even, I can't even that, imagine. The logo is just Colton Wong. It's just a picture of Colton Wong on the, on the album cover. Sure. Well, they did all the thinking with the name of the band and writing the songs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, so thank you. I'm glad to be here. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, and because I, I'll say this because I, uh, have been, cause I just watched fighting with my family. I've been thinking about wrestling lately. So when you said crush and sludge, I was like, Oh, they were members of demolition, right? <laughs> I don't get That's, that. Yeah. I don't Did know you anything about wrestling. Uh, or do you still watch wrestling? Who, I don't who know. Who are you talking to here? Well, I don't, I didn't <laughs> want to assume. Uh, and it, but sludge was not in demolition. No, it was ax and smash and crush as I we know. all, as we all know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I, you know, and metal and, 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 wrestling kind of go hand in hand there so yeah. uh even now they have that bad everybody gets some generic new metal song as their fucking theme song when they walk out to the do ring do you still now. watch it i know everything that's going on uh i'll read the wrestling observer kind of every day their website mm-hmm. but i don't i can't watch I, I i went to new japan i mean you know, i saw i went to japan i was in japan and i saw mm-hmm. stardom which is women's wrestling okay and the new japan wrestling came here and i saw two shows when they were in la and then i saw them the year later they came and did a show in la and i went to that one um but i, I it's fading for me like i can't watch wwe because it is 
it's stupid. It just okay. is. We, you know, I'm, I'm, when you're a kid, you suspend your disbelief, but you're also like, and I, I like violence and I don't mind the soap opera part of it, right. but it's gotta be better. You know what I mean? It's like anytime they, cause they treat it like a television show and I totally get that on WWE. That makes sense. But then like a guy will win a match and then they'll go, let's go to the back and they go to the back and there's a wrestler like walking as if he doesn't know there are cameras on him. <laughs> he's walking in and then a guy walks up to him and goes, Hey man, you were supposed to say that to me. And he goes, well, what are you talking about? And they have an argument on there's a camera right in their face. <laughs> And we're oh, supposed hey, to see you there. Yeah, it's it's that's <laughs> that sort of thing that I can't suspend my disbelief that much. Right. And also, I like uh, I like violence and mm-hmm. and uh, and I like guys that are good on the mic. And they have these really long winded promos and stuff like that now. So I mean, in the glory days, and I, again, here's an old man, but I mean, when I grew up the guys on the microphone were so much better than the guys now. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, that's that, you know, I learned a lot about language and being, you know, when, when, um, I watched the Ric Flair ESPN show, uh, when they did a documentary on him. And that's another thing. It's a two hour documentary. It could have been nine. I mean, there's so, <laughs> so many things they didn't touch on. Andre, the giant front on HBO was, yeah. it was brilliant. Um, but again, same thing where they, you're, you're trying to compress a legend into, into an hour and 21 minutes or something. And it's like, no man, this, this should be told. It's a big story. Well, I think that in a situation like that, and I feel this way about the Andre, the giant documentary, it's one of the things that kept me from really liking it that much is that I think there. In his case, because of the the Princess Bride connection, I think they felt like, oh, this will have a larger appeal than just to wrestling fans, which is probably true. But in doing so, when you try to go for that larger appeal, you're going to dilute the the subject a little bit yeah. and make it less interesting. To me, the stuff that the documentaries that tend to be most interesting about a very specific subject is like. No, dig in as deep as you want. If I get lost at some point, that's on me. Yeah. You know, and if you and if you do your job well, I'll be able to like make those jumps past the stuff I don't understand because I will find it the fact that someone would find it this interesting even if it's not me, that actually will be enough to carry me through. But like when you try to do the general thing, it tends not to work for me. But but with a larger than life guy like Andre the Giant, they kind of have to do that. Interesting, yeah. That's what I'm thinking because uh, they they had to deal with as as, as attraction, as human being, yeah. and then as crossover star. Right. So that's how you're trying to compartmentalize it and make it available for everyone. Yeah. But I I want to hear about the nights in Winnipeg. I want to hear about mm-hmm. him on the road. I want to know what it was like because again, you get a little taste of what it was like to live as a as a giant, a freak, yeah. and be looked at weird, and he couldn't fit in a car, and all those things, and um. You know, you, you've seen Beyond the Mat. Have you seen Beyond the Mat? Mm-hmm. I have not. Uh, you, oh, you, yeah. you, yeah, you got to see it. Yeah, because I, I watched Beyond the Mat and I was stunned because again, it's it's naked. I mean, they they mm-hmm. they show you, you know, it's it's essentially what the wrestler was came out of that. You know what I mean? It's like you know, the wrestler is the is the real life version movie of of Beyond the Mat, mm-hmm. uh, or the fictional version of Beyond right. the Mat, and and. It was it was so great the way they handled it. And also one thing one thing I loved about Beyond the Mat is when they go they show the guys a long way down, or like that segment of Boogie Nights where they're like, All right, long way down. Right. And uh, Coco Beware is fighting in North Platte, Nebraska in a in a high school and I'm like, I didn't stand up there. <laughs> and then another guy is in like another place in Minnesota. I did stand up there. South Dakota. I did you know literally all these towns because that's the thing. It's the carny coming through. They have stand up or they have whatever they yeah. anything to keep people entertained in those, in those smaller towns. Um, and he's acting like he's just at the you know the the end. You know what I mean? And I'm yeah. like, oh boy, that was on my way up. You know, I went through those towns. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but you get beyond the mat is just it's just phenomenal. It's a really good documentary. Uh, I I and also by the way, it's uh, if you want to see. A supremely unlikable version of the most likable person in the world. Watch Beyond the Mat. Who's the most likable person in the world? The Rock. 
Oh, interesting. He is his, he's just a charisma fucking beacon. Yeah. And he's just, you're drawn to him and everything. You see that big smile and he's amazing. Yeah. And he, there's a segment where he comes off awful. I mean, it's real bad. And, and I don't know if he ever resolved it or anything with, with, you know, it's, I, I don't want to spoil it for you unless you want me to, but I mean, it's, it's, uh, but yeah, he comes off looking real bad. That's interesting. And I feel like give it a little time because People these days are kind of digging into other Everything people's gaps. <laughs> well, he's not going to get me too'd for this. I mean, he right. just he wrestling is all about taking care of the other performer, and wrestling is all about right. this, this sort of stuff. And he was involved. Well, I'll just I'm going to fucking tell you. That's fine. Yeah. He was involved in a no holds barred uh, an I quit match mm-hmm. with Mick Foley. Okay, and Mick Foley was known for taking suicide bumps. Yeah, he got he got thrown off the top of the cage through you know just he just amazing, and he's willing to take a beating. And it you know it's he paid for it. Now he's gone through a million surgeries, mm-hmm. but in this match he's fighting the rock in an I quit match and the big you know the crescendo is he handcuffs Mick Foley's hands behind his back and he's hitting him with a chair in the head because it's you know because back then this was the attitude area so this was the era this was violence and uh, and he's wailing on him I mean it's and and the documentary is powerful because uh, Mick Foley's wife and his children are in the front row watching Jeez. I believe I believe they're I don't know if they're in the building or they're in the, or maybe in the okay. back I think they're in the seats and they're watching it happen and every time you see, hear the chair hit he shows the kids flinch and the and the wife is about to cry I mean it's just yeah. he's taking a pounding and uh, the rock did not take care of him I mean the rock made it mm. look as realistic as possible he looked like he be, was going to beat a guy to death with a chair yeah and when they went into the back you know makes a bloody mess he's covered in blood and they're sewing him up and uh, and rock comes in and is very aloof to him in the room and he's just like all right man well we'll catch you and he he walks out hmm. no no thank you for putting me over no uh are yeah. you okay no none of it he just he just is he looks like he looks like a guy who belonged you know right. what i mean like yeah he did this was of course this is the way it was supposed to go and i don't care and you're you're just kind of in my way you got steamrolled you know what i mean even though they're performers working together because mm-hmm. that's the whole thing about wrestling it's it's just a dance yeah you know but he fucked him up with this chair it's bad you know noise just the noise of it you're like oh my christ that's that's the thing that really fascinates me i mean certainly there there's a just last night i watched fighting with my family which i think you would enjoy quite a bit okay um, oh you didn't see it i have not oh it's good yeah yeah you would, you would really enjoy it i feel like anybody honestly i think anyone would enjoy it but i think anyone who's ever had any history with wrestling at all would enjoy it quite a bit um and so you know the idea of like wrestling being wrestling being fake and someone says no it's fixed it's not yeah. fake. It's a very different thing. Um, and when you see, and then there's a moment where a guy's on the phone with like a promoter and he's talking to a, a wrestler that he kind of represents. And he's like, Hey, he wants to know if you'll take one of these, like, and it's like a trash can. He goes, if you'll take one of these to the head. And the guy's like, uh, I, don't, I don't know. Let's try it. And so he just like bashes him in the head <laughs> yeah. and, the guy, and the guy's like, Ugh. yeah, all right. I can do that. <laughs> and it's very, it's very funny, but it just, you know, it's like just because you agreed to take that to the head doesn't mean you're not taking it to the head right yeah. like for real i mean they might be pulling it a little bit but at the same time well they've, they've done a much better job now you know yeah. of, of pulling that and uh, they you know especially with the cte and the concussions and things mm-hmm. wb you, you can't 
you can't really hit a guy in the head with a chair anymore. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's a really special move if somebody does it and you got to pull it. So it never yeah. looks as good as it used to because it, it used to be guy was getting hit with a fucking chair. I mean, it just, that's yeah. the way it was working. Um, and there would be guys who would, you know, they would do it softly. I remember being a kid and being mad if there was a bad chair shot. I'd be like, oh man, it's terrible. <laughs> uh, and now I can't, I, I, you know, again, as much as I enjoy violence and things mm-hmm. like that in the, in the portrayal, um, there's this thing that, you know, there's, there's extreme wrestling, you know, there was a thing mm-hmm. called ECW, which was fantastic in the nineties and stuff. And then it kind of got subsumed and stolen you know, by WWE. But now there's all these indie promotions mm-hmm. and they'll do death matches and they'll do weapons matches and things like that. And they, I mean, I, I can't watch a guy get body slammed in the thumbtacks. I can't watch a guy get a yeah. fucking pizza cutter run across his forehead until he's oh. bleeding. Yeah, dude. Well, you know, David Arquette. I was literally going to say, did you see that David Arquette thing? Did you see the clip? Uh, no, I saw stills. It's of- awful. David Arquette is a wrestler. He actually is a pro wrestler now. Oh, I, I knew I, I knew that it was like I knew he always loved it because I think he's involved in Beyond the Mat a little bit, right? I, that I he don't. Might he might have produced. Are you thinking of Ready to Rumble, the movie he was that, in? He's in that. Yeah. Well, that, Oliver Platt. <laughs> that I knew, but like I feel like for some reason it might have been like he was referencing Beyond the Mat. For some reason, I connect okay. those two. But yeah, maybe I know Ready to Rumble, and I knew that I thought he had done like some like sort of like novelty matches, but I, he's like doing it full on. Well, he was involved in WCW a million years ago okay. and he actually won their heavyweight belt. Oh, wow. And it's a lot of people think that's the turning point when, when WCW fans just went, well, fuck this. And then they went under as a company and WWE wound up buying hmm. them. But David Arquette now will do independent wrestling. He actually does championship wrestling from Hollywood. He was, he'll show up here. He's and he, you know, he, cause he loves the performance of it. Also David Arquette is bananas. If you don't know that. <laughs> so he winds up in a fucking match here in Los Angeles. This is like five months ago. And, uh, he, he gets in a weapons match with a guy who Nick Gage, I think is the guy's name. This dude's been in jail for bank robbery, like for real. <laughs> so he's well known as a guy who doesn't fuck around in the ring and that kind of thing. And, and there was, he was supposed to fight another guy, but the guy, I, I guess if I remember he didn't get his visa or something didn't happen. And so David Arquette's like, well, I'll, I'll do it. Well, he, you know, he has no fucking clue. So he gets in the yeah. ring and, uh, the big things that they use, they'll use the, the thumbtacks around the ground all the time. They'll use the, like I said, the pizza cutter in the fucking head. They'll put it in the mouth. It's so bad. <sighs> but the one thing that they'll always use in these matches is, uh, you know, the track lighting light bulbs, the very long light bulbs. <laughs> sure, sure. Okay. They'll use those and they'll smash them over a guy's head. They'll smash them over his back, you know, and it's just insane. So this dude, Nick Gage smashes David Arquette and, uh, and he's got, you know, he, the bulb shatters. Then he grabs Arquette, he takes the back, and he lifts his by his hair up, and he puts it across his throat like he's going to cut his throat. But what he does, unfortunately, is because Arquette is not, he doesn't know what's up with the weapons match. Yeah. So he doesn't zig when fucking Nick Gage zags, and you actually see it when he pulls it across. You see it catch and then go. And then David Arquette hits the floor, and he's just on all fours. And Nick Gage just kind of, you know, because now you got a, you know, it's a show. Right. So Nick Gage has to kind of like walk around, like, yeah, whatever. And David Arquette, you can see he's he's trying to figure out what the fuck just happened. Yeah, did, and he's holding his neck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's blood. There's blood. Blood. They they missed the jugular, you know, but they did. He definitely opened the throat. And he's like, he's holding it, holding it, and he stands up. And then his he fucking flips. So he he shoots, which is when you really fight. Mm-hmm. He tries to shoot on Nick gauge so he tries to grab him and stuff like that and he's hitting him and and, uh, and nick gauge just kind of rolls with it or whatever and they wind up getting a fast ending to the match like uh, you know and yeah. then arquette grabs a microphone and he's screaming at the fucking guy he's just yelling at him you know you don't do that but whatever the fuck it just it it all blew up oh. but just to see him get the light bulb you know it goes to pull it across his neck and you yeah. see it catch man and you're like oh, oh no no i'm glad i just watched the uh 
Yeah, just it's, the, just saw the stills. I mean, I've, I've, you know, you, I saw, you know, they've run cheese graters over guys' heads. I mean, there, you know, Mick Foley used to be the king of the death match, and he was there's a guy, and I think uh, Onita, I think is the guy's name from Japan. So they would literally fight their dudes. They would have these uh, boards set up with explosives on them, and you would slam a guy on, it and it would blow up. It would fucking explode when a guy got blam- and so they'd be burned, and their clothes would be ripped up, and that's what Mick would do. Mick, you know, if you read his book, although read his books, by the way, Mick Foley's first two books it was phenomenal so good and such a peek inside the business uh well, well I, I stopped because uh, the first two were about wrestling and then he started he became an actual novelist okay. and i understand he's good you know i understand that the books are great but i you know i liked the wrestling content right. and he wrote a book about uh you know being on the road and how he worked and you know he would take his specialty bump was he would be on the on the, the ring apron and someone would hit him and he would fall to the floor and right. land flat back and his head would hit the floor every single fucking time. And he would just do it. That was his whole, because, you know, everybody else would take a bump or a fall and get caught or whatever. But he, he always wanted to look as seriously uh, realistic as possible. I still want to know what his novels are about. <laughs> like, are they about, like, a professional wrestler yeah. who solves crimes? No, no. It's about, no. like, a kid, you know, estranged from his father. Or something. <laughs> you, can't, you can't buttonhole a, a, a Mick Foley. His, um, he, honestly, like, he, he wrote a children's book about Santa because he is uh, he is fascinated by Christmas it's he loves it so much he loves Santa Claus he loves Christmas and uh, dude Mick Foley's this fucking weird renaissance guy like (laughs) he is you know who he's fucking great friends with Tori Amos that's awesome (laughs) because he one time (laughs) he was he was in the he was in when he would be in the locker room he would listen to winter I think is the song Mm -hmm. and he would just sit with the headphones on and he would listen to that would get him ready to get fucked up so and then he wound up meeting her and when he gave that anecdote out and he wrote about it in the book and then she reached out and they became friends um but the first two books are are, they're phenomenal but then he wrote the santa children's book but then he had a very well received novel and i don't remember what it's called it's i i wish i could remember but it's it's but it's a it's a story of a family or a a man who grows up i think it's i think there's a baseball connection possibly Hmm. um but yeah but he's he's you know and uh, those two books are great his first two wrestling books chris jericho's books are great you know if you if you want to get a real a real peek into not only what wrestling was like but also on the road and life and things like that it's just it's phenomenal to watch or yeah. read i should say i uh, because i mean i i loved watching wrestling when i was younger and then i kind of like like so many other people my age like hulk hogan was was my guy but i liked a lot of those other guys and then and then I just sort of fell off, and then I tried to get back into it in high school. I was like, I don't recognize any of these people. Yeah. You know what I'm about. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, I, but I have watched a lot of documentaries about wrestling. Oh, sure. And, and it is just fascinating, like the process of it. You know, it's like a dance in one way, but it's also kind of like improv. Like, you really, you can't hog the spotlight you you have to be you're responsible for the other guy and he's responsible for you yeah and usually one guy is calling the match you know like because you'll see like that thing when they go to whipman and the the things they'll be like clothesline duck under they'll they'll say they'll talk to one another in the ring the whole time yeah uh and and when guys become really good veterans they can that's why they used to say rick flair could have a match with a mop and you would watch it (laughs) intently because he could just he could sell like nobody's business let me uh interject on behalf of the listener here who um likes movies let's give them a watch list you know so beyond the mat okay uh, andre is that what it's called <laughs> wait, wait, hold on a second well, I, I wonder, did you just fuck us up did you just like literally go uh this is a movie podcast shut the fuck no, up is that what you just brought no, to us quite the opposite i'm trying to keep it <laughs> on behalf of listeners who enjoy films but i'm saying tyler you said you've watched a bunch of 
wrestling documentaries. Yeah, I expected you to name some of them. Yeah, so you've got um, Beyond the Mat, you've got Under the Giant, you've got Ric Flair. I think there's one for the life of me. It's frustrating because like a lot of them have just been like up, uploaded to YouTube, but they're not like YouTubers that made them. So like there was one that was about about Bret Hitman Hart. Uh, that was actually wrestling with shadows. Is that what it was? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And See, that was interesting. See, that, this is good yeah. content for the listeners. <laughs> oh, content. they're making, they're writing little this notes is, to them, posting notes to themselves. Check. Listen, Tyler's done this 626 <laughs> fucking times. Get off his back. Um, and so, yeah, the, the Andre one, that, that, Hitman thing was solid. Like that was, and well, that one was like really unblinking too. Like, they well, really, also because they got an ending they did not anticipate getting. No, they did not, and it was great. You yeah. know, which of course that lends itself to everything yeah. dramatic, and then works great. And and then there was, uh, I think, I think, I think it was ESPN that put it on. It was like a, it was like a, a big list. They did a, a whole program about like the fifty best wrestlers of all time, and so, and they devote about probably three to four minutes to each one and work their way to, to number one. Hmm. And it was, it was really interesting because clearly in some cases they were trying to go like with controversy, like Hulk Hogan was like number 21 or something yeah. like that. Um, I, Tyler, he clearly was number 21, if not lower. <laughs> Okay, hang on. <laughs> I think we're getting into the generational de- age difference right. here because Tyler is a Hulkamaniac born and bred. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've got one thing to say to you. It's a shame it's not a video podcast, and that's... Uh, <laughs> tear it off. Did I, you ever go... You would have been too young. Did you ever go to Hulk Hogan's pasta restaurant at the Mall of America? Pastamania? <laughs> Pastamania. I did not, unfortunately, no. I saw him live. I saw... I went to shows, you know, wrestling cards when I was a kid. I met Andre the Giant. How's he doing? Uh, not well these days. Oh man! Okay. <laughs> Boy, he was doing good then. Uh, I'm sure. Uh, largest human being, second largest. I, I actually uh, Shaq bigger. Shaq's really? the biggest guy I've ever met and and stood next to. And I sh- but I shook Andre the Giant's hand, and uh, I can palm a basketball, mm-hmm. and my hand disappeared inside of his hand. Oh, I don't gone. doubt it. Yeah. Just gone. It's it's a little terrifying, I'm sure. Yeah. Like- well, he was coming to the ring to fight Big John Studd at the USC oh. Pavilion, and he stopped to shake hands with everybody on the way, and he saw me, and he took my hand, and, and just and literally just enveloped it. It was yeah. craziness. I uh, I met. Dikembe Mutombo. Uh, okay, when he was in the on the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, and uh, it is it's a weird thing in the same way that when like people talk about you see a movie star in real life, you're like, whoa, okay, that, I understand why that person's a movie star. Uh, and of course, you I, I had gone to basketball games. I've I've seen basketball games, and then you actually you encounter a basketball player, and you're just like. They they just exude a certain yeah. uh, aura, not merely because they're so damn but, tall, but, but also, also like a grace. Like yeah. I, it's just they're they're just lithe and and just so they're vibrant, almost like they're they're just yeah. moving at all times. It feels like they're kinetic. That's I know what thing, you mean. Like they are, they are. I mean, not to imply it's only this, but I trust you know what I mean when I say like they are their bodies. Oh sure, they have to be so tuned into their body at all time that like to be in the presence of one isn't merely like, Oh, it's a tall guy. I've seen tall guys before, but like, this is someone who is just ever present and is a <laughs> physical presence at all times. Yeah. And it's very, it was very, uh, I was 10. And it was like, unco- it was like <laughs> yeah, uncomfortable yeah. somehow. I don't, I don't know why. I don't have any, uh, meeting giant athletes. What? stories. Come I on. Go the other way. Uh, Robin, 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 Wright. <laughs> Robin Wright, 
is minuscule. <laughs> I feel like oh, for Princess Bride, okay. Just ge- generally, yeah. I feel like actresses in particular they're made to stay so thin. But then think about it, like people look bigger on camera. Yeah. So uh, famous actresses usually when I meet them in person are even thinner than I think they are. And I remember meeting Robin Wright because I was a PA on a thing uh, and thinking, wow, she is uh, almost she's barely there. Yeah, <laughs> I, I met Holly Hunter. Mm. And we shook hands, and I was like, I'm going to break you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm terrified to touch you right now. Because she's short and she was super skinny. And I was like, and I love Holly Hunter, but yeah, like on screen, I mean, of course they can cheat this, but she's, you know, like yeah. this height of Danny DeVito. She's super short. Uh, you no, know, that's the same reaction Andre the Giant had when he shook my hand. <laughs> I'm going to break you. So, Tyler, was Hulk, was the Hulk your favorite wrestler then? Um,. I think so. At the time, there were no, I liked Jake the Snake. That's a good documentary too. Uh, oh, you talked about, about that one, yeah. yeah. Jake the Snake Roberts, yeah. Because yeah. um, again, another amazing, interesting story. Yeah. You just is from Helen back, that kind of thing. And there's there tends to be an underlying sadness to almost all of these. <laughs> well, of course, because there yeah, Jake the Snake is to hell and part of the way back. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not. He's good now. Come he on, Jake's doing on, okay. Uh, he was just on Joe Rogan's podcast. Make of that what you will. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, but these these there's a movie called I. I like to hurt people. Hmm. Uh, I, I'm not very, I'm not vouching for it at all. I just know it exists. Okay. And I believe it's about the Sheik, uh, not the iron oh. Sheik. Okay. But about a guy named the original Sheik. He was called the original Sheik and he was in Detroit and he was just, he was a maniac. He'd bite, he'd literally bite guys until they bled, like bite their heads and stuff. And he was, but that was the deal. Like he was the wild man. So people would pay to see him get his ass beat, but then he'd never fucking (laughs) lose. You know what I mean? So then they keep paying because they wanted to come back and watch him get killed. uh, But then the Sheik (laughs) would never lose. And then he wound up having, I think, I don't know if Sabu is related to him or just trained her, but this guy named Sabu (laughs) fought an ECW and he was a fucking psychopath. Still is. He just got banned from Twitter permanently because he's a fucking nut but he would literally like he would do this I mean, he was this high flyer who would set up a table yeah. and put people in the crowd just insane just insane stuff you do uh, and I did see the, the Iron Sheik documentary that one was is fascinating it's one of those things where it's like he, there are moments where he seems aware and you're like okay so is he faking this whole thing you wonder if he's in on it it's hard it, he's hard to tell yeah um, but at the same time like you read about so many of these wrestlers like later in life and like the idea of getting banned from Twitter, that doesn't surprise me at all. Like, well, I'll tell they, you what, they say so many things that get them in trouble, and they're usually very extreme things, like Ultimate Warrior, who passed on recently. But like he, like he terrible would say guy, crazy thing, it, terrible person. person. Brutus the Barber Beefcake was was one, and he like had like political uh, aspirations, and then like said yeah. some terrible things, of course. And you kind of wonder, it's like. I mean, these guys have been hit in the head a lot. But I feel you like just, it has to make a difference, right? But you made me laugh because you just said uh, these wrestlers later in life. Hey, the ones you're hearing from later in life are the fucking lucky ones. Oh, absolutely. Because right. a ton yeah. of them die at 40 or 33 yeah. or 30 because they're all on fucking, you know, I, I forget the name of the pill. There's Oxycontin and, yeah. and shit like that. You know, because they, they're trying to get through their days and nights. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there, there are... There's, you know, I will tell you this. If you're interested in this kind of thing, um, on YouTube, it's a cottage industry now. Mm-hmm. There are shoot, they're called shoot interviews. And they will, they'll talk to wrestlers. Wrestlers will sit for an hour or 45 minutes or two hours and they will talk to an interviewer and, and they, he will ask questions about the time Arn Anderson was you know in a fight with Sid Vicious mm-hmm. backstage stuff we always heard but we didn't know the real story on uh, there's the, the legendary stories there's this there was a wrestler you would probably know him as Haku oh yeah okay well he, he would wrestle under the name King Tonga well he's still around I think it's his nephews who are in New Japan and when mm-hmm. I was here in LA they actually had him come to the ring but King Tonga is this guy they tell these legendary stories about how he is any 
any wrestler you ask from my era, from the, you know, the 80s, 90s, who's the toughest wrestler you knew? And they're like, holy fuck, King Tonga. Like Haku, you didn't fuck mm. with Haku. You never fucked with Haku. Bit off a guy's nose in a bar. Oh. Uh, there was a basketball team, like just in the, and they were, and they went to like a, a restaurant in Japan. There was a basketball team and uh, some shit started and Haku just threw a guy out a fucking window. <laughs> like there's, there's like that thing where he didn't, they, they don't, Ken Patera, you remember Ken Patera? Name sounds uh, Yeah, he was a guy, he feuded with Hogan for a while. He was okay. in Bobby Heenan's family and then he oh, actually, yeah, yeah. he actually went, they, they turned this into a storyline, but he was with a guy named Mr. Saito. There was mm-hmm. Mr. Fuji and Mr. Saito. They yeah. were, they were tag team champions. Well, Mr. Saito and Ken Patera, this is legit. They were in Wisconsin and after the matches, they went to go to McDonald's because they wanted to eat. So uh, McDonald's was closed. And uh, Ken Patera is just like, well, fuck it. You guys, you have food. I can see food on the goddamn shelf. Just give us the food. I will we'll pay you whatever the fuck. You're going to throw it out. And they're just like, no. And, and imagine, you know, Ken Patera was an Olympic power lifter. Okay, yeah. so he's a giant. Saito is just a fucking monster. And, uh, and Saito doesn't speak much English. So they're trying to get the food, and then and they wouldn't let him in the door. So I assume Cooler had prevailed, right? <laughs> well, of course. Why else would I tell this story? And then they politely nodded, and they went back to their hotel and slept. Uh, the, Patera throws a boulder through the window. <laughs> a boulder. <laughs> and they go back to the hotel. <laughs> so the they fucking didn't even go in and get the food. No, well, I mean at that point, then you're then, then you're like, breaking and We just made my point. <laughs> misdemeanor vandalism is fine. You cross that threshold immediately, things start happening. So they go back to the hotel. They're like, "Fuck!" They're pissed. So they go back to the hotel. Cops are called. Cops show up, and uh, they knock on the door, and say, "You don't answer the door." And there's two, there's different stories from different angles, but the, the, I'll give you a, a thumbnail. So he answers the door. It's a lady cop. And she just starts asking him questions and he doesn't, he cops the, the whole Japanese routine. He's like, he doesn't know English, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then she just starts talking and she's like, all right, well, you need to come out here or whatever. And he just fucking breaks her face. He just, he huh. just headbutts her in the face and they start wailing on her. So then they have to call all these backup cops and it's Patera and Saito take on like 15 cops. <laughs> and literally this is totally true. Uh, they, what, they tried to hit Patera with a nightstick and they broke the nice thing on his traps, his trapezius, <laughs> crack, and then they finally subdued them and they took them in. And he wound up going to jail. They, you know, Patera did time. Saito went back to Japan. He's like, "Fuck it, I'm leaving." Yeah. But Patera actually did. He went to jail for I think two years. Wow. And uh, and then when he got out, because he used to bl- dye his hair bleach blonde, and he was that you know the strut in the ring. But when he got out, they actually turned it into a storyline where he blamed Heenan for uh, for leaving him behind and letting him rot in jail. So he let his hair grow out brown, and he came out and he dedicated his life to chasing down the Heenan fan. Family. So they, I mean, there's no angle too shameful to be used in oh, pro wrestling. I hope the culmination of that storyline was him finally getting that quarter pound. Of oh cheese. my God. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he got a deal with McDonald's, of course. <laughs> um, but if you go find these shoot interviews that are on YouTube, if you're interested in this sort of thing, uh, and there's a guy named Jim Cornette who will tell the most, uh, he's uh, Jim Cornette used to manage the Midnight Express. Lover Boy Dennis and Beautiful Bobby, The Midnight Express. <laughs> okay, yes. Uh, and then their theme was the Midnight Express theme. Mm-hmm. It was just one of the best entrances in wrestling. And Jim Cornette is on these shoot interviews, and they go and they, uh, he's brilliant because he would, you know, he was, a, he was an on, you know, uh, in the ring talent. He was a manager, and then he was a booker. And then he was a guy in road agent and he worked for all these, you know, he worked for the WWE. He worked for every company. He knew every guy and he will tell you, he would tell these stories. And also he is no bullshit. He is completely unvarnished and he will tell you his version of the truth sure. of everything. Um, he's not one of those guys who's like, well, you know, I don't want to get anybody in trouble. He's getting everybody in fucking trouble. And he still works in wrestling today. He just signed with, um, MLW, which is a small promotion, but he's going to start doing broadcasting for them and he might work backstage. But, but his shoot interviews are phenomenal to watch. And all these wrestlers think you, cause again, the problem is like, 
my favorite wrestlers when I was a kid were the Road Warriors. Hawk and oh, Animal. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, but the thing is, when they interview them, they, well, first of all, Hawk's dead. But when they, and so it's a terrible interview. And then when they, <laughs> they talk to Animal, Animal keeps kayfabe, which is the, mm-hmm. the behind the scenes, like everything was oh, real and sure, nothing. Sure. Yeah, that's right. He keeps that. Yeah. Like he doesn't betray the business. You need to get the guys who are willing to talk shit about the business, right. you know, so. It's, uh, okay, so two things. One is like the one guy that I've, heard interviews with who seems to have like, I, I mean like he's, he, he's a little bit political, but not in like the crazy way. He's just opinionated. Uh, but the one guy who seems to have kind of held it together mentally is Ted DiBiase. Like he, for the most part, uh, well, you, you probably know more about him because of your other interests, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. the, the other things you're especially, yeah, I don't know he, how to term it, but I mean, but yeah, he's, because he's a Christian and I believe he's an ordained minister and stuff. Now. I believe he I is now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and admittedly, like as tends to happen, uh, he's like, yeah, I kind of needed to do this otherwise. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Crazy. I got to dry out. What the yeah. fuck? <laughs> so what's up these days with the only wrestler I really remember, uh, from when I was a kid, cause I was a budding metalhead, uh, the undertaker. He was the only one I liked. He hung in there for a long time. Is he, he still there? Yeah. Uh, he just fought I mean, he, he can't fight anymore. Okay. But they'll trot him out for w- w- like a once a year wow. match. And actually they, they did a, a card in Saudi Arabia last year, which uh, was not a good idea, <laughs> uh, but they got a fuck ton of money from the Saudi Arabians. And they were like, all right, we'll do this. They've done it two years in a row, but it, when they were promoting it this year, that was when the, all the, everything went down with Khashoggi. Mm-hmm. And so they literally stopped saying Saudi Arabia. They just started calling it crown jewel, crown jewel, WWE crown jewel. <laughs> and, um, and undertaker fought with his quote unquote brother Kane. And they right. fought against Shawn Michaels and, and triple H. And again, these guys are all 50, you know, yeah. and undertaker, he's, he has a lot. Exactly. <laughs> and he has, and uh, well, Shawn Michaels would have had the hair too, except he shaved it all off. But, um, but undertaker is, um, now a, uh, he can't move. I mean, it's just, that's the thing. It's a very difficult thing for him to have a match. So they'll, they'll try him out because the entrance is still, it still lights up the building, yeah. the fucking bell and the lights out and all that stuff. It's phenomenal. Um, does, but, he, does he still have the Paul bearer? Uh, no, Paul, Paul bearer died. Time yeah. Oh, Paul died. Yeah. Percy Pringle died. Um, oh, that's too bad. I liked him too. He was great. Yeah. And, and, but the whole gimmick was great. It was because in the beginning it was stupid. You're just like, okay, he's dead. All right. That makes a ton of sense, <laughs> but it caught on because the entrance yeah. was so badass. And, uh, and look, it's, it's survived every bad incarnation of storyline to where it just, he went from being that guy to being just a badass, you know, that right. sort of thing. He, he had never lost at WrestleMania. That was, he had the longest winning streak. He had won at every WrestleMania. And then two years ago, maybe three Brock Lesnar beat him. And it's, it's funny. Go find that clip because when it, cause nobody ever thought he would lose. And then, cause again, it's all fixed. And so they always carried him and he always won and Lesnar beats him and pins him. And they, they start panning around the crowd and there's people, who just you'd think nine eleven had happened? I mean, they're holding their hair, yeah. just staring, like what the fuck? And it's a it's a famous clip of them, everybody in the crowd. There's silence because they don't know how to fucking react. Um, but he's still involved, but he's not. He doesn't fight anymore. They'll try him out, like I said, very rarely for a special thing. But also, he's doing. He's starting to do a speaking tour, and he actually just took a thing. I think in July they're doing um in in coordination with Fight Week. He's going to do a, a live appearance, and uh, they just registered. Uh, the dead man talketh 
I think that's what it is or something like that. So he's going to actually speak because he doesn't, he doesn't give a lot of interviews and stuff like that. But yeah, so he, he's, he fought as recently as last year. That's How funny if he, he got up to speak and it turns out he has like a really high pitched. Dude, here's how old I am. I remember when he was mean Mark Callis and he <laughs> okay. trained under the, the original spoiler and that's when who taught him how to walk on the ropes, that, that rope walk thing that he did. Because mm-hmm. I loved the spoiler. Because again, I was a guy, I, I didn't know who the fuck he was when I was a kid, but he was, he was a guy in a mask mm. and just, just, I love that name. The spoiler is one of the greatest names yeah. ever in my opinion. And he would walk on the ropes like, like a tightrope walker. And then, and he would and drop a fist on somebody or whatever. Mm. It was gorgeous to watch. I love the spoiler. So real quick, the last thing that I, that I wanted to say in regards to wrestling and incidentally, I, know, I think at this point, this episode is about wrestling. It doesn't, I'm so sorry. I didn't <laughs> no, know. No, that no, I, that's not a complaint. I, I find, I feel like we should steer into it. All right. Say, I have more things to say then. <laughs> yeah. yeah and, I, and if we can mention movies, that would be good. No deal. Uh, Out. <laughs> so, uh, in fact, I'm never, you know what? BP is pivoting. We're <laughs> only doing wrestling <laughs> starting at 626. That's fine. Um, but, uh, so being, uh, a big nerd as I am, um, I will sometimes go down that internet rabbit hole of like the worst toys ever made, like the worst action figures and stuff like that. So here's one like, Oh, Punisher turns into a gun. Oh shit. The barrel is basically his dick. Oh, uh, stuff like that. Like it's <laughs> it, it, look for it. You'll see it. Okay. But one of them is like, there was a whole line of, uh, WW, I think it was F at the time. It might have been E. I don't remember. But uh, action figures, and it was called like Maximum Sweat. <laughs> it was literally there were like ten figures. One of them was uh, was The Rock, and they and you could put. Uh, th- this is insane. This is, the more I, th- I having to verbalize it uh-huh. makes me realize how dumb and idiotic it was. Anyway, uh, so you could like plug like a, a, a plastic tube, which led to a little plastic like squirt thing, and. Like, I had an action figure of the Joker where you could do that and, like, water would squirt out of the flower in his chest. Okay. okay. Uh, but it's like, oh, but it's acid. Right. But no, this is, you do it, and, and like, you couldn't even really see where the holes were. Oh, but, okay. But the water would just, like, just cover the action figure like sweat. Like out of their head. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. It's like, you can make them sweat. Yeah. What? I, 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 I do really? appreciate the, the toy design that you couldn't see the holes. Yeah. I was picturing like, like pinhead. With his pins <laughs> oh, removed. good Lord. Oh my Christ. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, just, uh, boy, the, 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 but think of the thought train that gets you to there. Oh, sure. You know, what kids love sweat. <laughs> Holy God. They love watching their WWF superstars. Just sweat it up. That's the, <laughs> that's the thing. Like, they clearly went through every iteration of like, okay, kids like wrestling. They like action figures. These are selling really well. We need to come up with every single aspect of wrestling that kids might like. And they're like, fellas, I've got it. You know what? What? There's a common denominator through all of wrestling. Yeah. Sweat. Let's, we no. want maximum sweat. I feel like nice. there was a, like a Don Draper type who knows nothing about wrestling, but gave an inspiring monologue yeah. about sweat as a metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> These kids are going to be inspired to sweat it out. Oh, my Christ. That's awful. I mean, I, I, I had not seen those. That it's sounds terrible. Ridiculous. Um, but I will. So I will say that. Um, By the way, maximum sweat is now the name of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> um. So in t- okay, so you asked if if Hulk Hogan was my favorite favorite wrestler. I think it probably speaks to the type of wrestling fan I was, which is 
interested, but still probably pretty casual. Sure. That he probably was my favorite. I also liked, um, and of course, I, I mean, I, I, I liked uh, Junkyard Dog. I um, knew you were going to say, I'm not kidding, I was going to finish your sentence. Really? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Kids it's, loved Junkyard Dog. And and I did, I loved him at the he time. He had thump written on his butt. <laughs> that was the best. Thump. It was so funny. I loved it. Well, I, I thought of another one that I remember from a kid, and I don't know if this is WWF or WCW, but uh, it was a tag team called the Bushwhackers. Oh, yeah. Butch and Luke. Who would do, yeah. I just remember because yeah. they did a weird, like, dance walk Whoa! thing. <laughs> they come yeah. in and they would lick, uh, they would lick their opponent's head and all yeah. that kind yeah. of craziness yeah and that's and what's interesting uh, i remember the bushwhackers and i remember liking was that wwf or was that that yeah but i but i and before you'll finish your thought in a second before they were the bushwhackers and turned into cartoon characters in Uh wwf yeah wwf they on the independent team were known as the kiwi sheep herders and they were one of the most violent tag teams in the world (laughs) that was their whole deal is they could not they were just they would take a beating and just come keep coming at you and bleed and everything else uh and just like sheep herders do (laughs) of course <laughs> and and then they wound up in the uh, they wound up in the in the WWF and then turned into uh, goofballs, which is that, you know that was the thing is like I liked them as a kid um, for a while and then while I because I was a kid I wouldn't have been able to put it this way but in retrospect there's no question that I was like yeah they lack depth that was that was like my eventually I just I I felt like I couldn't connect with them on anything yeah they were just goofy and that was it. It was like a silent comedy team decided to become wrestlers, and that was the end of it. You know, <laughs> it's just a couple of pie fighters that get st- strode into the ring. Um, well, that's why you, my friend, should read Mick Foley's books because you want to I'm talk sure. about depth and connecting with somebody. He has when he entered ECW. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the whole point was he he was a guy who never got his due because he used to be Cactus Jack. Mick okay. Foley was his character was Cactus Jack, and that's who he was in WCW, and and uh, that's who the fans knew him as the hardcore king and the king of the deathmatch Cactus. Jack and then he went into ECW and he was Cactus Jack and he tried to uh, uh, it's too long to explain but because he wasn't getting the respect in WCW and all that so he left and he went to this upstart company ECW and then he became uh, he thought he was the way they spun it was he thought he was going to be a conquering hero there but um he had written the book and his son's name was, was like in the, in the book, his son was Dewey. And, uh, there was a match, a cane match and like a, with the big rattan cane. Mm. And, uh, someone brought a sign that said cane Dewey to the, to the, cause ECW's fans were rough. I mean, it was just the thing. They would literally bring weapons and hand them to the wrestlers. So, uh, they, they, someone had a sign that said cane Dewey. And if you go find it on YouTube, the cane Dewey promo, where he actually cuts this promo where he he's explaining how he tried to understand fans and how he, he tried to be all he could for fans. And then someone brings a sign, Kane Dewey, that's my son. And it's, it's just, yeah. dude, it changes everything. And in this, in this, you know, it, ECW ushered in the attitude era in WWE yeah. and, and Foley was one of the Vanguard guys of Brian Pillman too, was another guy, but they just, you know, that's, and that's when I lit up because I mean, I, I wanted to see real stuff and I wanted to see it get real weird. Mm. Um, I, cause I, that cartoon shit when I grew up. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, one of my worst, the worst moments ever was when the road warriors went to WWF and became, cause they were good guys. They had to make them good guys cause you yeah. couldn't make them bad guys. And one time they came to the ring with their manager, precious Paul Ellering, and he had a ventriloquist's dummy named, <laughs> Rocco <laughs> and Rocco was the new WWE. He was the road warriors new mascot. 
And I, I'm just staring at it. I'm like, you motherfuckers, how dare <laughs> yeah. you? You know, these are the guys who literally put a spike in Dusty Rhodes' eye and tried mm-hmm. to tear it out. You know what I mean? And But you couldn't market them like that because they were so over, you had to make them good guys. Right. So it's just, and, 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 and I understood all that as a kid, but that's what led me, like you said, you pulled away a little bit. Well, that's what mm-hmm. led me to pull away because I would be like, ah, oh, you can't, don't do that. You know what I mean? And, and, but that's, I understood the business part of it, yeah. but it was, it was a little disturbing. And I had seen a, d- a documentary, uh, on Hulk Hogan, the name of which I forget, but, um, but he was, it was a very candid interview and he was talking about, um, Andre the giant passing the title to him, kind well, of that's, passing the torch. That's the Andre documentary but then well this and yeah so he talks he's said that a few times but then he also talked about like the time came for him to pass the torch to somebody else and it wound up in i believe wrestlemania 6 i know because my friends and i like paid for it uh the ultimate warrior who as a champion lasted only so long because hulk hogan in retrospect he's like he goes there wasn't much to him beyond just the craziness which can be fun to watch but people do need whether it be a a, what is it a face or a heel uh they need to like connect with them in some way and it's like an ultimate warrior there was only so much and it's like he goes so it didn't take wwf long to say like this guy isn't working out as a champ as our champ well and also but warrior if you do a deep dive on this he was insane yes and he he wanted all of this money and he would write these long letters and he's just a he's a piece of work that dude yeah so uh and so and hogan is a he's a shifty guy himself you know what i mean so he will tell you that but there's 10 other reasons why oh undoubtedly yeah um and it's but he gets to tell the story because he's the one who's still here that's true um and he's the one that like it's it is interesting that like because i do remember that my friends and i were super into ultimate warrior for a while and then not unlike the bushwhackers not that he was necessarily meant to be like comical but he was shallow there was a shallow oh, no depth him. and because they, they started to pitch him as uh, unbeatable so he would yeah. come in he'd shake the ropes then he'd win and he, I mean, he when he won the undercontinental belt from the honky tonk man he won mm-hmm. in 30 seconds yeah so and the honky tonk man who had defended for almost a year and a half mm-hmm. then put him over and then yeah. you know and then it just it honky tonk man was furious but he did yeah. it you know it's so it's so fun to hear these these uh, names I haven't thought of in a long time. Honky Tonk <laughs> Man. Now I'm thinking of the Big Boss Man. You know who it's not fun for? David and the Movie Listener. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm actually having a blast. Do you enjoy this? Oh yeah, this episode is so much fun. Okay, and I have a, a, another wrestling movie related topic okay. queued up. Right. What do you guys think is the best performance by a pro wrestler in a movie? Well, it's. I mean, it. I feel like it would have to be The Rock at this point, right? Like he's he's he's, he's the, the biggest the star in the world. He yeah. is. He is truly. He's transcended into the biggest yeah. film star in the world. Yeah. But if you had to pick one movie, though, for him, yeah. Well, I'm a big fan of the rundown. Me too. That's where my head goes. So good. I love it. It's so good. Um, but I also, I cannot say enough how much I liked the new Jumanji <laughs> and how much I liked him in it. Okay. Um, he's just a very. He's such a charismatic actor. Um, like I could watch, and I mean, like Rampage is mostly a shit movie, but I, I don't think like I won't see everything with The Rock in it. But him being in something 
probably ups the likelihood that I will see it. That's so funny because uh, he, he, oh, go ahead, please, David. Oh, just a real quick thing about the rundown. Uh, I'm not like a gun guy, but I do like to occasionally read the IMFDB, which is the Internet Movie Firearms Database, in which you can look up any movie and it will give you details about which guns were used in that movie. Um, I have to assume that's on a government watch list somewhere. <laughs> yeah, probably. If it wasn't, but it is now. One of my favorite things from the rundown is when it's talking about the shotguns he uses at the end. And I always remember the part where he's holding two shotguns and so to rack them he like rests them on those like chicken coops or whatever yep. and like racks them and then the IMFTV says no this would be very difficult to do in real life <laughs> <laughs> yes clearly it would um, I do think that's I think that's a, a good question well, but, but I, I, I cut yeah. you off or you were going to say something um, about the rock well I, it's because the, I go the other way with you like you said it, you're, it doesn't guarantee that you're going to go to the theater with him mm-hmm. but more than likely you're going to watch yeah I, I am waiting for a perfect vehicle for him i can't because he's this is the thing he may have transcended movies even for me he's so huge and larger than life uh i'm i'm we talked even before we we turned the mics on i'm excited for the hobbs and shaw movie i've never seen a frame of fast and the furious i don't know a fucking thing about it but that trailer the two and a half minute trailer, the internet version, not the one that's on TV, the one where he right. where he mouths fuck you to him in the elevator. Yeah, it's. I was like, I'm in. I'm. Fu- I will see this the day it fucking opens because I mean, I like Statham and The Rock is the fucking rock, and I want him. It, it, I want. It, it's almost like it's almost like wrestling. I, I gravitated toward bad guys because I wanted to see guys be bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in the, in the movies, the rock, just as they do, uh, the rock is the good guy. He's the ultimate good guy, no matter what yeah. role he's playing. Um, and there's a thing now where I, I, you know, like with Richard Pryor, when Richard Pryor was making movies, they mm-hmm. took a dangerous, charismatic guy and neutered him to put him in films. Right. You know, unless you're counting, like I said, what, which way is up and then Jojo Dancer, you know, because sure. he had a hand in those. But when they put him in the toy and shit like that, yeah. same thing with Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell was a dangerous, different kind of guy in old school and things like that. Anchorman, you know, he was, he was taking chances. And now he's the, the lumpy dad guy in everything. And he, yeah. and he, and things, they make them now the, the pro protagonist where like right. everything happens to them and they go what the I, everybody's fucking stan laurel it's like dude what the yeah. fuck man just be be aggressive or do something speaking of will ferrell and rick flair rick flair was the inspiration for his character yeah, on eastbound the, but, and down and that might be the last great thing will ferrell ever did because it was <laughs> yeah. fucking he was again he was dangerous and mean and evil and over the top and he just was willing he, you know they let him go um as opposed to now where they shove him in these movies where he's just like i don't know dear and it's oh, <laughs> fuck what are you doing man so with the rock i go i go yeah. the other way like i would i want to see a dark violent like i'd love to see the crow with the fucking rock in it you know what i mean something like that as opposed to this because i understand he doesn't he's a mm-hmm. monster star he's he's walt disney basically um not that he was ever in a fucking movie or whatever the fuck but i mean <laughs> but you know what i mean he's just he's he's a brand yeah. name he's milk so you you can't pitch dangerous milk mm-hmm. well and that's the thing is like he is he's a full-blown star I, I think he's I think he's a talented actor, but obviously he's limited by being him, which is why I think like the Hobbs and Shaw thing is going to work because Statham is also that. Yes, like Statham is only ever going to be Jason Statham. Like you call it Hobbs and Shaw, but <laughs> it's, right, it's the, the Rock and Jason Statham. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, um, and so I do think that yeah, I mean I think uh, people pay to see the Rock. I, I mean, and people and I can't imagine him being. He's like Schwarzenegger in that regard. Like Schwarzenegger, yeah, he may have played a villain in Batman and Robin or something like that, but it's always Arnold Schwarzenegger that you're seeing. 
And it's just, you're watching that. He just has that gravity, not gravitas. He has that gravity uh, that just makes people want to watch him regardless of what he's in. No, I haven't seen any Fast and the Furious movies. In Hobbs and Shaw, which one of them plays the imaginary tiger? <laughs> All right. Well done. That's not bad. All right. I'm glad I stopped you guys. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad I stopped yeah, the no, yeah, for that joke. Pull the brake on the train for that, for sure. Um, but, but The Rock, I understand why he's doing what he's doing. He is mm-hmm. the largest uh, star in the world, the most bankable movie star yeah. and he wants to make PG 13 movies because he wants to print fucking money. And I, yeah. that's fine, but I would love to see him in an R rated fucking movie like John yeah. wick. Like if he made a John wick, yeah. you know what I mean? Where, and, and, and just because uh, Schwarzenegger, he made R rated movies. There were, there was tits and there was swearing and there was violence and people blowing the fuck up and weird catchphrases and shit. And yeah. that was, that was great. Um, but the rock is not, he, he's, he's a bankable star in the, the most in the world. Uh, so he doesn't do that sort of thing. Even I, but I also think in the, uh, in Schwarzenegger's heyday, that stuff wasn't seen as, as much of a deterrent. Like, yeah, like Terminator two could still make like a ton of money. Despite yeah, 12, being 12 rated and, R. 11, 12, 13 year olds were still going to see R rated movies that's in the eighties and nineties. And then Columbine happened. I, I don't know. That's how I, that's how I remember it. I got carded trying to see eyes wide shut because of Columbine. Did you just blame Arnold Schwarzenegger for Columbine? Is that what you just did? <laughs> not directly. Good but Lord. I'm not saying All he's right. off the hook either. Right. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If you go to David's apartment, you'll see a big whiteboard <laughs> with a lot of string. I'm sure. Uh, uh, a couple other, uh, well, obviously, Andre the Giant, Princess Bride. Um, Dave Bautista has turned out to be quite an actor. Yeah, you in, know what? Uh, Guardians uh, movies and also in that opening scene of uh, Blade, Blade Runner 2049. Yeah, you yeah. know what? That, I mean, obviously, like, and Dave Bautista is definitely on his way to being a big star, but he doesn't have the type of charisma that The Rock has. But you're asking, like, who's the best actor? Yeah. It might be Dave Bautista. That, I actually heard, I don't know if this Blade is... Runner performance. I was going to say, I, I don't know if this is true, but I heard that they fleshed out... The, did you see Blade Runner? I did not. Okay, so I, I heard... Uh, I, I guess the, in the initial script, they hired Dave Bautista just to be a heavy, and the opening scene was just going to be mm-hmm. Ryan Gosling taking down this replicant. And then they realized Dave Bautista could act and actually went in and fleshed out the scene and gave him yeah. more oh, nice. to do. Um, oh, you know what? I just remember that Macho Man Randy Savage played Bonesaw in Spider-Man. That's my answer. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Bonesaw is ready. <laughs> Randy Savage is a goddamn genius. Love him. Love. Go watch his old fucking interviews and shit. Yeah. There's this one I talked, I just talked about it on my show like a couple of months ago. <laughs> he comes in because Gene Okerlund died. Mm-hmm. So I was talking about how the, he had this chemistry with Savage in, in right. a way because Savage was, you know, Gene Okerlund, the one thing is he never betrayed it. Like he always played it like it was real, but also with a wink. You know what I mean? You could, yeah. you could trust him. Yeah. He wasn't going to betray the business, but also he, he let you know he was in on it. Yeah. And Savage comes out once and he's just, he keeps going, yeah, the cream rises to the top. And he pulls out a creamer, like a little creamer. <laughs> but then he keeps, that's the theme of the interview. And he goes, yeah, being Gene, when he talk about the cream and he keeps, he has them. <laughs> And like a magician, he keeps making them appear, and Gene Okerlund just keeps, he's baffled, but he's going, well, I've never heard of such a thing, and he just, you know, he just keeps pulling them up, oh yeah, I know you'd love to see the cream, yeah, and he keeps, and he keeps making them appear out of fucking nowhere, it's so great, and he's wearing the fucking crazy spangled yeah. robe and shit, oh, dude, so go watch any of that, and, and then, then I hear that Okerlund's worst, the guy he hated talking to the most was Savage, and I'm like, well, you never fucking saw it, boy, yeah. that made him respect him even more, because yeah. those interviews were so goddamn good. Well, and also, uh, uh, I mean, he, he acted a little, but he wasn't particularly good, is Roddy Piper. Although, oh. he's in an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, clearly being a, like, Mickey Rourke in the wrestler type. Yeah. And he's hilarious, and he's great. Uh, but as a wrestler, like, even though he was, when I was a kid, he was a heel, uh, 
And he was just so crazy he, and charismatic, and I, I loved him. But that's and the, that's what happens with guys like that, you know. With because The Rock was a heel too. That's when he true. was beating up Foley, he was a heel, and he was in, he was in the Nation of Domination, which was like a black power group essentially. So, but then he just he leaps out of the fucking screen so you can't pigeonhole him and make him that. Yeah. And that's how it is with Piper. You know, Piper was a bad guy, but he was like, he was an awesome fucking bad guy. When he yeah. sm- snook in the coconuts is one of the greatest fucking thing. <laughs> First of all, fantastic band. If you've ever seen them, but also, uh, that clip mm-hmm. just, just where he, cause he was the, fr- he was the first guy I ever heard use the phrase. Just when you think you've got all the answers, I changed the questions. <laughs> it was just yeah. after he, he had just beaten up this guy like Frank Marino. He was a fucking slob, like wrestler. Yeah. And he was making fun of him. And then, uh, and he also beat up another wrestler. Uh, he was also the first guy I ever heard use the phrase, uh, you don't throw rocks at a man with a machine gun. He had just left a guy laying because the guy had like smarted off and he beat the shit out of him. Yeah. And he goes, you don't throw rocks at a man with a machine gun. And I'm just like, that, that shit was what yeah. grabbed me, man. And that whole, the, the Piper's pit thing where he Dude. was essentially like, Interviewing other people, but then would attack them in the middle of the interview. Yes, like, that's the snooker thing. He, he, the, the snooker thing is so racist. Yeah. It's. It, I will tell you this: if you go look at a lot of the stuff from the eighties too, it's very racist. Oh, no, uh, yes. Pi- and Piper was bad. Yeah. Piper, like you know, he there was a because there was a wrestler, a manager named Slick, mm-hmm. and oftentimes you know Piper would ask him about his lips and shit like that. I mean, uh, it's bad. Yeah. Okay, but but Piper, he that's what he dude. You want to see? You want to see a fucking miraculous piece of television, piece of tape? Uh, before Piper was in WWF. He was working in Portland a lot. He was also in the Carolinas. He was in, you know, there's his dog collar and chain match with Greg Valentine is, is oh, yeah. like legendary. Uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine yeah, before yeah. he went to WWF. And they, I mean, he, he, uh, he fucking, there's a, you know, he's got his chain wrapped around his fucking head. His ear looks like it's going to tear off. Mick Foley had his ear torn off in the ring, as a matter oh. of fact. But, uh, but Piper, there's a clip and it's an interview where he's, and I, it's funny. I show this to my, uh, to like some comedian friends. I was like, look at this. And they've all looked at me like I was crazy. And I'm like, don't you see how good that is? Um, he was talking about, he was in a feud with somebody and I forget who it is. And he's basically, he's very serious because Piper could do that. That thing mm-hmm. where he would lower his fucking brow yeah. and just kind of talk. And he's got a beer. He's got a fucking beer in his hand, a bottle of beer. And he's just like, Oh, and he was talking. I think it was the sheep herders, I think. And he's talking shit and he's talking shit. And he goes, and he literally smashes the beer bottle into his head. It's, it's a real bottle. He smashes it on a television interview. He does it and he stops and he goes and he, he looks at the camera and as he's talking beers in his hair and blood just starts pouring down his face. And he goes, you sheep herders, you get your ponies and you saddle up. You bet. And it's just, and you're just like, Holy fuck. He's so, you believe it. And also you believe it because you know, he really did it. Even the fucking announcer and the other wrestler are like, all right, I don't know. This guy just went to another goddamn planet, but that, but he, those were guys who they respected the business so much that they were like, this is, this is what we do. You know what I mean? Right. And that's, that's what fascinates me is that there's, you know, there's athletics, there's, you know, film and television and theater, there's dance, there's all these things. And then wrestling is this weird combination of all of them that requires such a specific type of athlete, such a specific type of performer, someone that is absolutely willing to, and probably someone that is honestly more than a little inherently crazy. Well, you have to be, you give your life over. I mean, if you yeah. go, if you ever listen to any of the stories about Stu Hart, you know, training, that's mm-hmm. Bret Hart's dad. Yeah. And they had the, the fucking, the dungeon where they would train people. And Bret Hart tells the story of growing up, hearing guys screaming yeah. in the basement because Stu was stretching them, beating their yeah. ass and teaching them how to, because that was the thing is you had to learn how to be tough. 
and then there would be guys, you know, it was, it was a tough man's industry. Now, a lot of guys were, some guys weren't tough, but then a lot of guys were. And then, but then there'd be a guy, like if a guy ever got out of line, they had a, they'd have a stretcher come in, like Harley Race. Mm-hmm. Harley Race was the NWA champion, and they knew he was an NWA champion because in the old days, there were these fucking territories. And right. if the NWA champion came in to fight, sometimes the local guy would try to get cute. And like he would uh, try to sneak away and beat him, and then he'd be like, "Ah, you, what are you going to do now? I'm the NWA champion, like that kind of thing." So they had to put it on a legit fucking tough guy who couldn't, who nobody could fuck with. Yeah. So that's why Harley Race would go town to town, and if anybody tried to bull any nonsense, he'd just fuck them up. You know what yeah. I mean? That sort of thing. And those guys, you know, they were carousers, they were they were actors, they were again, on, on the, when you saw guys on the microphone back then. That's why I said Flair. Those guys influenced me in such a way where I'm just like their lang- the use of language and the fucking that larger than life. Uh, it just it it just worked for me. It always yeah. worked. You it's, know, it requires like a complete lack of inhibition combined with a boosting of well the of best the best is when they would let them be themselves you know yeah. what I mean because they would because WWE when they tried to make the sheep herders you know the, the bushwhackers yeah. bushwhackers are fine they're just trying to make money but then there's Steve Austin sure alright so Steve Austin had wrestled all these different places and he was the ringmaster in some places he was you know the stunning Steve Austin all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff when he first came to WWE they tried to make him the ringmaster you know they gave him a fucking character so then he started to be himself more he was, he was, mm-hmm. he was literally a Texas rattlesnake that's what he wanted up turning out to be but and the, the the day it turned that it was he was in a fucking fight he beat jake the snake roberts at king of the ring mm-hmm. and at the time jake the snake roberts was his gimmick was he had he was born again because in, in reality he was born again so right. he was kind of talking about jesus a lot in his interviews and stuff and uh and so fucking austin beats him and then austin goes for the interview and austin says uh you know, you come out here and you thump your bible and you talk about your psalms you talk about your 316 well austin 316 says i just whipped your ass yeah and I, I remember watching it and it was a it was a lightning bolt. You were just like, yeah. what, what? <laughs> and instantly t-shirts. And he was, he was the biggest star in the fucking world of wrestling. It was yeah. because he was real. You thought, Oh, that's a guy who would walk into a bar and hit a guy in the fucking mouth. You know what I mean? It's just, and that was when they started to blur the lines a lot back then. And so, but that moment, because when they let him talk and they let him be himself on the microphone, that's when they, like you just said, they've got to be all these different things. And yeah. sometimes that can muck your fucking head up. Ronda Rousey, who is a UFC fighter is mm-hmm. now in WWE. She's terrible because she's thinking way too much about what she can do. She's not a natural on the microphone. Right. What they needed to do was give her a mouthpiece so she could just come out and look tough and beat people up. Right. But instead, they tried to make her this personality. And, uh, you know, she she was friends with Roddy Piper and she was uh, uh, Judo Jean LaBelle and those guys. So she became the hot Ronda. You know, she wore she wears right. basically Piper's ring gear. Uh, this is a lot of fucking talk about nothing. Get to a movie. Jesus Christ, I apologize. <laughs> I'm taking over. <laughs> I think we're fine. Yeah, we should actually probably have an eye towards uh, wrapping up. But, uh, yeah, Ronda Rousey... I don't know. I, um, uh, what was the movie she was in? Um, she's terrible. She was in the expendables. Was in her expendables too, I think, or she's in, okay. and she's in also, uh, she's in a fast and furious. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I guess I didn't see her in anything. Um, but then there's also Gina Carano, who's yeah. amazing. Haywire. Yeah. She's in Haywire. Yeah. Haywire is a great I movie. Love. Yeah. Uh, uh, and she, well, she's in uh, Deadpool. She's she's so good in fucking Deadpool. Who's she in Deadpool? I haven't seen the Deadpool. She's uh, the the villain. I, I don't oh, even know yeah. the name of the villain, but I mean, oh, yeah. You know, she's yeah. She basically throws Colossus around for a fucking bunch of times. Yeah. And, uh, Did you see Deadpool too? Yes. Okay. So th- it's it's okay. This is fun uh, because a lot of the film people that I know were not really comic book people growing up. Uh, nor were they wrestling people growing up, which is why this is always exciting when to have you on because uh, <laughs> it would appear we were into the same things. Um, but 
you know, and I, I fancy myself like, oh, a, a, a smart film guy. But what I will say is that, like, I went to the critic screening of Deadpool 2, and even though his presence had been foreshadowed shamelessly, when Juggernaut shows up, the 10, year, 10 to 12-year-old in me was like, oh, boy! Yep. I was so excited to see him. Yeah. And, uh, and they did everything that they should have done, which is like, he shows up, rips Deadpool in half, and then just keeps running. Exactly. And it's, I just really responded to When that. they do it right, you're so happy. I think um, that's what it is. Because, yeah. yeah, Vinnie Jones in X-Men The Last Stand didn't no. quite do it right. They gave him a great line, but they then did. it just didn't pay off. Yeah. You know, you know what I... Uh, I'm getting that from video games now. Mm, that's uh, right. You play a lot of video games these days. Well, I just um, I have a Twitch channel, so I've been doing that, and I've been playing the Spider Man game for the past two weeks. So Spider Man was I've heard great things. Well, Spider Man was my that was mine when I was mm-hmm. a kid. One of the earliest photographs my mom has of me is I'm like five, and I have a Spider Man and Mysterio comic book on my mm-hmm. lap because Mysterio is he's my I, I'm so happy he's in the new movie. Yeah. It's 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 time. It's just fucking time. <laughs> so uh, he's the villain we need right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so in the mo- in the Spider Man video game mm-hmm. i'm playing it and uh and it's that thing where you're because you're literally spider-man it's it's astonishing you're swinging all through new york you can go to the top of avengers tower at top of the empire state building and, and they did they've rendered the entire city yeah. and you can go all over you can go to chinatown go to harlem go to the upper west side central park it's ridiculous but in the beginning you're fighting in the first fight you fight kingpin mm-hmm. so kingpin's in the game and you you get a taste of him and stuff and then later on uh because i you know i again I, he's got the best rogues gallery of villains even better than batman's um, it's up there. It's for me. It's it's. I, I can I can name you twelve solid Spider-Man villains, and I can it's, give you maybe eight Batman. I'm a. I, I also think that uh, X-Men has a pretty good rogue gallery. Do as well. absolutely. I agree with you there. But Spider-Man. It's. He, but the thing the with issue. X-Men is that any of them could, like a few issues later, be a good guy. Yeah, <laughs> which is actually what I like about X-Men. <laughs> yeah. But all of their bad guys yeah. are, or, or other way around too. You know. Uh, uh, what just happened? Um, uh, Cyclops killed Xavier. Like, and it just happened. It was like six years ago. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Spoiler alert! Uh, yeah, I think my issue with Spider-Man's Rogue Gallery is that I feel like up until up until Venom, and then they turned him into a good guy too because Carnage came along. But like up until Venom, I felt like he never had his one. He never had his Joker or his Magneto. Like, he never had, like, the one villain above the others that he felt like, like, the yin to his yang or whatever. Like, do you feel like... Uh, let, let me I, in, people said Green Goblin. I was right? going to mention the Green Goblin, okay. possibly. You know who... But honestly, for me, in the comic books, when I was growing up, uh, I thought Hobgoblin was, actually was yeah. was that more than Green Goblin. I got Green yeah. Goblin. I understand. He is his Joker. That's how he's... In the books, that's how it's painted. That's yeah. the way it's supposed to be. They fucked with it in the movies and changed who it is and stuff right. like that. Um, but, but in the comic books, Green Goblin is is Spider-Man's Joker. Although the the first villain he ever fought is the Vulture if I remember correctly. I think that I think that's the, the was, oldest. He was like one of the super first, villain. Yeah, yeah. I remember exactly. But um and Doc Ock. I mean he, he has just yeah. all their so in the, it, I I have to just finish this thought. I apologize. That's but fine, Kingpin's sorry. in the beginning. Oh please. And then uh and then you wind up fighting a lot of gang members. There's a lot of street crime and you really mm-hmm. there's all of it. A ton of it. And I'm just going man like where what the f-? you know I really wish there were a lot more super villains in this game and then you run into Shocker. Yeah. And you're like that's crazy. Because I mean, I wouldn't even expect the Shocker to be in the goddamn game, right? You know, you're expecting the big, big names. So you beat Shocker, and then it's uh, they have a new. There's a new supervillain who kind of is the mean guy, and all these mm-hmm. things. And there's like a city hall bombing, a, a two hundred thousand people die, or whatever the fuck. All this bad shit happens, and I'm and there's no supervillains, and I'm I'm like 
70% of the way through the game. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. So I told to my buddy and he goes, just wait. Mm. And I don't want to give anything away for anybody's playing the game. Right. But now I'm in the middle of the end and oh my God. And you yeah. want to talk about seeing when, when you talked about when you sat there and you, you saw Juggernaut. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm playing this game and you see the rhino charge out and you're yeah. like, oh my Christ. And he's moving and he's talking. And it's just, it's like yeah. when, when the 89 Batman came out, mm-hmm. I saw the movie Pumpkinhead in the theater six times to see the Batman trailer before Pumpkinhead and to stay and watch the Batman trailer after Pumpkinhead. <laughs> Cause I just thought it was Batman moving on screen. It was yeah. the Joker talking. They were, it was real. It was going to really happen after years of telling us it was going to happen. Yeah. It was me in a, in a bath towel cape in my dad's chair when I was fucking seven. <laughs> yeah. And I was, I, I went over and over. I paid his, I paid to see Pumpkinhead six times because to see them alive and moving is, is such a joy from something that you remember deep inside yourself. It just brings yeah. something out of you. And that's why I mean, I'm caped out now on a lot of movies and stuff sure. like that, because the problem with the Avengers and things for me is, um, no rogues gallery. Literally, they're fighting pixels the entire goddamn time. Yeah. And it's a drag. Like, I mean, it's all space monsters and stuff to the point where the best Avengers fight of all time is Avengers against Avengers. You know what I mean? On the, on the airplane, the, 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 the hangar. Yeah. Um, you didn't, not <laughs> for the movie or not for the fight? Uh, either one. I, the fight between Cap and, and Iron Man and uh, Winter Soldier or Bucky. Yeah. That's great. It's, I love that. It's a great fight, but boy, I, and when I say caped out, uh, can we stop killing fathers? Can we just stop <laughs> with the death of the father? And also, I, I find myself in a tricky position there where um, all of a sudden there's, there's a perfectly framed video of Bucky killing Tony Stark's father, fine, yeah. whatever the fuck. Uh, I'm, I'm over dead fathers for, as inspiration for any of that stuff. Yeah, that's but, why you like Spider-Man. It's an awesome. uh, exactly. Exactly. It's an uncle. It went the other way completely. Um, but uh, in that fight, I'm rooting for Iron Man. Fuck yeah. Bucky. Fuck yeah. Captain America for protecting Bucky. Fuck them both. He killed his fucking father. Yeah. So step aside and let him fucking take an ass whooping from a guy in a goddamn garbage can suit. <laughs> what the fuck, man? How dare you? How dare you come up with a, no, I don't know. Let's, let's think about this. Think about this. I got news for you. I got a fucking 1989 version video of him snapping my dad's neck and my mom. Didn't he kill the mom too? Yep. Holy fuck. <laughs> and I'm supposed to sit back while this motherfucker with his swishy hair is going to fucking tell me everything's okay. Fuck you, Brick girl. I'm kicking the shit out of you. You killed my parents. But Captain America's like, oh, hold on a second. Now let's have a chat about this. Fuck you. Fuck you. You fucking hostess fruit pie motherfucker. Sit down and take your flag and leave me to fuck this guy up. I think... That's probably this is a, a great place yeah. to, uh, to to put a to to, to button it up. Uh, thank you so much, Mike. This is uh, not nah, dudes. I love doing it. Thank you for asking me. Honestly, a lot of fun for me. I want to watch all these wrestling documentaries. Uh, watch the shoot videos on YouTube. I'm telling you, you'll go down a rabbit hole and disappear. Also, prepare yourself emotionally. Okay. Oh my Christ! Yeah, because yeah. if you knew these guys when they when you were young and they were your heroes, <laughs> pretty rough. Yeah, you start um, hearing about raving, you know, fucking girls with Saturn in a goddamn hotel room, yep. and then uh, yeah, it's rough all right uh well you can find uh us you won't find those videos but you can find videos uh, <laughs> uh and uh lots of movie reviews and other podcasts and stuff at battleship uh you can email us at david at battleship or tyler at battleship you can find the patreon at patreon.com slash battleship pretension uh i'm on twitter at davy pretension tyler's on twitter at tyler pretension and uh anything you need to plug uh, uh, so over at more than one lesson, um, 
I still haven't started the podcast back up, but there are still other podcasts happening at the at the time. And uh, our friends at uh, the Fear of God, which is the uh, horror podcast, they have uh, decided to get a little experimental while talking about the Black Mirror. Uh, was it Bandersnatch? Is that I what it's called? Like the it. choose your own adventure. And so they essentially recorded two separate versions of that episode and you can choose which one or both. Uh, so like, I like that they're trying to do like, like, that's pretty things. cool. Yeah. Uh, all right, Mike, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, well, you guys can get me at Mike at Mike Schmidt You guys can follow me at Facebook. Oops. Sorry. At Twitch, blah, twitter.com slash the 40 year old boy. I'm at facebook.com slash the 40 year old boy. I'm at twitch.tv slash the 40 year old boy. I stream every day, Tuesday through Sunday, three o'clock, usually Los Angeles time in the afternoon. We go four hours. We go on five hours. We've gone 11 hours one time. Time. Oh um, what was the game or, uh, or did you switch that might have been no we play i think that was god of War. no that was red dead redemption 2 okay. yeah we Very played that things. uh phenomenal that's the thing is i'm spoiled because i started with red dead redemption 2 i haven't mm-hmm. played video games in 15 years 17 years and to start with that one now everything after it, you're kind of like Neh. but i mean but, yeah. but spider-man is killing it and i you know i played god of war all fun resident evil 2 but anyway so twitch.tv slash the 40 year old boy uh twitter.com slash the 40 year old boy facebook.com slash the 40 year old boy and there's a podcast called the 40 year old boy available in the itunes store subscribe now and if uh, I if I can one more I'm oh, yeah. uh, I have a YouTube channel if you go youtube.com slash the 40 year old boy all 11 years of my podcast are archived there you can go ahead and jump back and listen to year one and then come back and listen to the show every Thursday morning it comes out in the iTunes store there you go Wow. <laughs> yeah, I like, I mean, your, your branding is very consistent. Yeah. You managed to get yeah. the four-year-old boy uh, forever. Has anyone tried to, to steal it out of money? Like, is there a new, did, did someone start a vine at the four-year-old boy and try to sell it to you? No, but there is another comedian in Los Angeles named Mike Schmidt. Yeah. And, uh, and he is from the Midwest. And he did Rogan's podcast, which, you know, is a gigantic because yeah. uh, everybody people have been trying to get me on Rogan's podcast yeah, fans. And then I had another guy who had a connection. I would love to do it. But uh, but Michael, but this guy, Mike Schmidt, did it. And I, I didn't know. Uh, I knew he existed because occasionally yeah. I would get an email or something for him. But I fucking wake up and my phone is going crazy. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like listeners are crazy. Oh. And they're like, dude, you got Rogan. Why didn't you fucking tell us you got Rogan? And I'm just like, uh, and then followed slowly after by the, oh, who the fuck? is this guy and, I, and I'm, sure he, I'm sure he's lovely he's terrific he's actually he's a doorman at the store mm-hmm. and he used to be a public defender i guess in minneapolis so oh, wow. that's what he was on to talk about was law and things oh, like that so yeah i've never met the guy but after rogan's show every day i would get three notes oh, boy. Uh, for people who wanted me to help their friend who was in jail like literally that, that nothing about comedy but all yeah. stuff like i have a question about habeas corpus well good luck <laughs> well um, i think you're uh, missing an opportunity here certainly there every, was, uh, all my friends said that they go you absolutely do fucked with them right did you and i'm just like please i can't i got no time uh, certainly there's been a wrestler named habeas corpus at some point uh, <laughs> dude all right you, you open this up and i apologize when i was a kid i was gonna go to larry sharp's monster factory and i was going to be a professional wrestler i called them i got the prices i was ready i was set I had a plan when I was 18, I was going to go to New Jersey and, uh, I was going to be the judge and I would have the death sentence would be my, would be my finishing move. And I would wear a robe and I would do the, the, the whole deal. I mean, I, I had it, the whole gimmick. I had it all fucking picked out. I told them on the phone, I pitched it and they would, they loved me on the phone cause I could talk and, but I was also a fat doughy idiot. So if I would have shown up, I would have gotten my ass beat, but I was ready. Uh, but yeah, so it's funny that you, you mentioned that there was a habeas corpus, but I, I had the finishing and the death sentence was my finishing maneuver. And, uh, it was just, yeah, it was great. And you could hit people with a gavel. Yeah. That's I mean, the whole, this is what I'm telling right, t- right. It was there. <laughs> Especially at a time where they were doing those types of characters. Yeah. I would have walked in and been the king. Yeah. Oh, man, that's great. Thanks again. We'll get you next time. 
I was saying thanks to Mike. Oh, sorry. Oh, okay. Thank you at home for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 